Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast, a show by wrestling fans for wrestling fans. My name is Jack Murley and alongside me each and every week, co-host and professional rugby player, Charlie Beckett. And Charlie, just your normal, average, run-of-the-mill seven days in wrestling. I can't think of anything that's gone on. Uh, what's going on? What? Uh, what's happening? I don't know what to do. I've been thinking all week what I'm going to say on this podcast about this, and I just don't know. It's my fault, because last week I said, oh, we've had a normal week this week. We'll get to just talk about some actual wrestling, which is nice. And then WWE and Vince McMahon went, Vince McMahon went nope, hold my beer. I'm going to ret- retire, and you're all going to find out why. Yeah, let's let's not muck around with this. Let's get straight into it this week because on Friday, Vince McMahon tweeting out that he was stepping down. He did it down. by tweet. He did it via a tweet. <laughs> I forgot that. As CEO and chairman of WWE saying at his advanced age, it was time for him to step away and do other things. Entirely unrelated is the fact that WWE has admitted that millions of dollars worth of spending from Vince McMahon was misreported in its financials amidst claims that women working at the company had been pained and or signed non-disclosure agreements for relationships with McMahon. Let's start at the very beginning. Let's set the scene. It's Friday night. Vince McMahon sends a tweet, fairly poorly punctuated, fairly unusual for him, and the wrestling world implodes in on itself. Well, I think we were all very confused, weren't we, by the lack of fanfare with it and a tweet. And then you were you were leading the Tin Hat Brigade that he'd been hacked because it said sent via iPhone. You're like, none of his other tweets say this. And then within literally two minutes of you sending me that text, the press release came from WWE. And then we were all a bit confused why it was so low-key and why we didn't have a huge fanfare for Vinnie Mac. And then the news broke that he's been smuggling the money about cooking the books and paying off women to the tune of $15 million of the company's money. And I think then we very quickly understood why there was no fanfare and why there was no big parade thanking Vinnie Mac. And I think there won't ever be. Yeah, cooking the books is a phrase that usually would probably get you into some sort of trouble, but... I think that something's clearly gone wrong in the financial accounting, given that WWE has had to say, we've misreported this. We need to go at it again. And and that was almost part two of the news. Part one, when it broke, the reason I thought he'd been hacked is because it came from literally nowhere, even with all the controversy that's been swirling over the past six weeks or so, as we've been talking about on this podcast, it didn't even cross our minds in our discussions that he may be going. No, I, I didn't think we'd see this day. I think we were all shocked when he stood down from his corporate duties on that side of being CEO. But for him to, in this place, the last six weeks, just completely go, especially with SummerSlam this week, the second biggest show of the year, and he's just popped off. I, it, it's, it genuinely is potentially the biggest thing that could have happened in wrestling ever. Genuinely. Because... He, he is, whether you like him or loathe him, whatever you think of him, he has been for the last 50 years the most influential man in professional wrestling. And it wasn't like his influence had dwindled at all recently. So it, it's, it's a seismic shift in the landscape of professional wrestling. This is Disney without Walt Disney. This is what's going on here. This is a where do we step to next. 
let's look at the scenario that has led to Vince McMahon to retire. And let's look at what didn't happen. There was no fanfare on SmackDown or Raw. He didn't wait till Madison Square Garden. He didn't have any video tributes or packages on SmackDown. There was nothing done backstage. It was as low-key as you can get, a press release and a word from Stephanie McMahon at the start of a show, and that was it. That shows that WWE wants to disassociate themselves as much as they can from the man who made wrestling what it is today. That shows what they think of this scenario. Yeah, that, that genuinely shows the severity of it because you look at how people who are retired are treated in WWE when they've had legendary wrestling careers. They're treated like gods. You think of the Shawn Michaels, the Ric Flair sort of retirement speeches. And Vince McMahon didn't even get to show face. And he's been showing face for no reason whatsoever recently. How weird must it be being Steph having to come out and lead a thank you Vince chant on a Friday Night Smackdown when you know the reason he's been fired is for having multiple affairs on your mum with multiple women and then using money from your family company to pay them off to keep it secret. Look, let's call a spade a spade. Essentially, Vince has been fired here. Essentially, Vince McMahon has been fired. He has looked at the situation and the corporate entities that are floating around and he has decided his tenure is untenable. He's fired himself and if he didn't go you wonder where this story would be going, whether he would have been forced out because there was no tenable way for him to continue. Yeah, and you have to think that he, if there was any way he could have, he would have. He Even he knew that he has, has to go. I just, what does a retired Vince McMahon do? He's going to go take up lawn bowls or something. or does he, go, does he go fishing? He's probably just watching Bargain Hunt or something. And, Damn it, they've paid too much money for that. I just that 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 has really amused me this week thinking what does a retired Vince McMahon do? It is a, an entirely surreal situation and yet in a weird way it felt it would always end in one of two ways. Without being morbid, everyone said the only way Vince McMahon leaves that job is if he is carried out or if there is some scandal so huge that he cannot survive it. There was no other way this was going to end. Yeah, it was only ever going to be one of two ways. And if anyone can hear some very strange noise in the background, Otto's decided to have the biggest drink from his water bowl you've ever heard, which is lapping it up, <laughs> uh, like like you listeners are to our podcast. Oh, um, very good, very go. good. So look, uh, where, where this is the Vince side of things, okay? And allegations of sexual misconduct to one side, because I suspect we'll talk about that further down the line. And frankly, more details will come out. And what we know now, we have discussed previously, and we'll discuss again in the future. What's his legacy? As a wrestling promoter, how do you even tangibly sum up what he's achieved on the wrestling side of things? That, you can't really do it justice because we would not have the professional wrestling industry we have today without Vincent Kendi McMahon. Like what he did to change the WWWF to the WWF. He, he changed the landscape of wrestling from the territories to a worldwide organization and you would have thought someone would have done it if he didn't, but he was the first to do it. We wouldn't have WrestleMania. We, I don't think wrestling would have ever crossed into the consciousness of wider popular culture. It would have just been wrestling at the carnies, that sort of thing. So you can never, ever, ever underestimate the influence and effect that Vince McMahon's had on the industry. And he is a genius. He is like some of the things he, he some, of the, some, some of the things he came up with were not good. Some of them were a miss. But the majority hit. You don't you don't build a multi multi million billion dollar industry without being good at what you do. And 
that's it. He didn't really build the company. He managed to build the industry. Mm. And he came very he came very close to going under with WCW. But he, he rode him out and he won that. So it's not like he's had an easy ride. There's been competition. He You, you can't overestimate. You can't over-exaggerate how important he is to wrestling. Ruthless and aggressive, and he defined it all on the wrestling side of the ledger as we talk about that specifically. And literally in my head, I'm going through it going, do we have pay-per-view wrestling without Vince McMahon? No. Do we have wrestling on broadcast television without Vince McMahon? No. Do we have a network without Vince McMahon? No. Do we do we see the Super Bowl be as big as that is without WrestleMania pushing it to be bigger, to be more extravagant? I, I think it's just across pop culture. Vince McMahon's vision has sort of become intertwined with the vision of America. You can't separate modern America from Vince McMahon's influence. No, you, you really can't. And that's probably the best way to sum up just how important he's been is he is just a a figurehead in, in America, isn't he? In, in American industry. So now we look, and I'm sure there'll be more on the Vince scandals, to put it as it should be coming up. Uh, down oh, we, we ain't heard the end of this. No, Nowhere shame. near the end of this. And WWE itself has admitted there may well be subpoenas, investigations. So this isn't going anywhere. Given the legacy of Vince McMahon, the people having to step into his shoes, Triple H as head of creative, Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon as co-CEOs, talk about a baptism of fire. Suddenly they are at the helm of this billion-dollar corporation. Are you excited by those possibilities? I, I really am, you know, because let's be honest, Steph McMahon's been training for this her whole life. Mm. Like This isn't like, this isn't come out of nowhere. Yes, the timing of it has, but this was always going to happen. I think you've probably seen over the last five to 10 years, it wasn't going to be Shane. I think we all thought, probably presumed at a younger age, it'd be Shane, but Steph, Steph seems to be the business head. Um, we've seen that Triple H can run a wrestling company because they gave him that little thing called NXT. And it was the hottest thing in wrestling for about three years. So we, we know they can do it. And Triple H, no one knows the industry better. No one's gone through the cycle of being a wrestler, moving to the back. And from what we see, has gone full circle of being selfish about himself wrestling all about titles to actually the greater good the greater good and just being for the better of the company so i think they've got the perfect pair there really and i'm really excited by it well let's be honest when you heard that triple h was coming back as head of creative and of talent relations what was the very first thing you thought nxt nxt now i just thought if if he's gonna lead wwe in the creative way with the storylines and the wrestling, the, that type of story and that type of wrestling that he had in the black and gold NXT, I'll be a very, very happy boy. I just think the ripples of this are huge. And, and for example, here's my, my thought process. Triple H did the creative of NXT. It was, without a doubt, the best wrestling on television for a two and a half year stretch. And I don't think anyone would dispute that. That wasn't what was bringing home the bacon for WWE. What was bringing home the bacon was Vince McMahon's vision of wrestling. For better or for worse, it was Vince McMahon who the buck stopped with. Triple H has to step up and come up with a creative vision, not just for NXT and one small portion of the empire, but for the whole empire that will sustain WrestleManias, that will sustain the contracts. And he could go above Vince's vision, but he could also drop down. It's a hell of a position. So do you think that if you put 
the NXT style of wrestling, NXT style of storyline onto the main roster with the millions of views it already has, the eyes it has on it, do you not think that will increase viewership? They will or keep the viewers up? Or do you think people are going to go, I've tuned into Monday Night Raw for the last 20 years for sports entertainment, and now you're giving me more wrestling? I don't want it, and they'll turn over. Well, the honest answer is, I don't know. But me not knowing is irrelevant. Triple H has to know because it is a billion dollar question. He has to take a punt on some direction. And and you look at it as well. Does Kevin Dunn stay or do they bring in a new producer to take a look at it? Does Kevin Dunn say I've done enough and actually I'm going to go and Vince has gone. I'm going to go and I'm going to enjoy some of my money. Can they retain talent without Vince McMahon? Can the sponsors have the confidence in WWE without Vince McMahon? He was the company. I mean, personally, I'd love to see a bit of a new creative direction on, on WWE. I think most people listening to this show would. But we're not the masses, you know? We're the exception rather than the rule. It's very true. The thing you brought about the sponsors is very interesting because I would entirely agree with that if what had happened to WWE stock hadn't happened. Mm. Did I send you this? I think yeah. I did. Within, the, within, I think it was three hours of Vince being out and Triple H being in, WWE stock rose 9.1% on the US markets. That's absolutely bonkers. The, the wider investment world went, that's a better company to invest in now because he's gone. That's crazy. It's just, and look, here's the other thing. Does WWE stay as an independent company without Vince McMahon at the helm? Disney are going to be interested because it sounds like they've been interested in a while for WWE and it sounds like Nick Khan is open to the idea of selling WWE. It's that's fascinating. Nick, Nick Khan's company, is it? It's not no, a family he's, affair. He's co-CEO now. So he's got a lot of say. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. And and his say comes from the outside of business. But so, yeah. Nick Khan isn't there going, Jess McMahon was my great great grandfather and I it's a family affair. Nick Khan's gone, what a, what a, what an opportunity we have here to grow a business and make ourselves a load of money in the process. And they're responsible to stockholders. At some point, an offer might come in where they go to the stockholders, let's sell. I mean, the ripples of this, we said at the start, we don't think there is a bigger wrestling story. There's none. This affects every facet of the industry we love. Does it affect AEW? That's really interesting because... Does it affect AW directly? No. Does it affect them indirectly? How can't it? They're a wrestling company and this is affecting all of wrestling. If creatively WWE goes the way it might under Triple H, does that start to appeal to more of the people watching AEW? Yes, it probably does. Does it matter because they're on different nights? Well, and I was thinking the talent roster. If you're, ah, William, and if, yes, yeah. if you're William Regal, for example, do you go and sign your contract with AEW for however long you signed a contract with, knowing that Triple H at some point is going to be head of talent relations and, and creative? Or do you sit it out? If you're Adam Cole, are you looking and saying, that's a guy who made me the guy in NXT. Suddenly the grass looks greener back where it was. Well, you, you gave up the analogy this week to me of it's like having a coach at one team who you play brilliantly under and him moving to another team. And it happens all the time in sports. You move with the coaches. Now, they all have contracts and we don't know how long they are. But I am sure that for the likes of Adam Cole, the rest of the Undisputed Era, Malachi Black, these people, Johnny Gargano, who's still a free agent out there somewhere, suddenly 
going back to WWE looks a lot more appealing than it did under Vince Mann because you had the best run of your life under this head of creative in NXT. He's now the head of creative for WWE. So his opinion isn't going to have changed. His opinion on what he thinks makes good TV isn't going to have changed. So yes, it is more appealing to come back. So that's going to be very interesting when these guys' contracts are up. There is no angle that this, this, we could talk about this for the whole show. We won't. I suspect we'll end up touching back on it as we go through. We could talk about it for the whole show. By the way, we should say keep rating, reviewing and subscribing wherever you listen. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Merley. So seismic, the wrestling news this week. We forgot literally that SummerSlam was happening on Saturday. So we'll get into that in a tick. Brian Danielson back on AEW Dynamite. We'll talk about that. Let's do Monday Night Raw. The first Monday Night Raw under the creative tenure of Triple H. Madison Square Garden, the spiritual home of WWE. For me... It's about one segment and one segment only. Theory, the bloodline, Heyman, wrestling perfection in front of the perfect crowd. Yeah, it was, it, it was just the best promo I can think of in recent memory. It was just excellent, wasn't it? And it's the way Roman delivers his promo, but then also acts off the crowd, like the way he can slip into off the crowd. And Heyman and the Usos' reactions in the background when he says, your daddy's not here anymore. Just outstanding. And Theory played his part really well of, let's be honest, looking a little bit out of his depth. And it, it plays perfect because this kid has been shot up the up the roster and probably would be a little bit out of his depth. And he, he can't hang with the likes of Lesnar and the likes of Reigns yet, but he's in a situation where he needs to be able to. So it was just, yeah, it was, I've watched it three or four times. It gets better every time you watch it. It's brilliant. I'd like to do a little bit of fantasy booking of where I think they should go with theory in a tick because I've had an idea running through my head and I want to run it by you. I just want to say again, what a shame it is. We didn't get this version of Roman Reigns earlier because it's, it's like, you just think of what we could have had. Can you imagine this version of Roman Reigns versus the undertaker? Literally what I was about to say, literally what I was about to say. Imagine the promos. Oh, yeah, it does feel like Shield Roman was outstanding. The Shield was brilliant. Was the Shield maybe Vince's last great creation? The Fiends, they're the two that would come up with it. But the Shield was brilliant. Until we got Bloodline Roman in 2020. And the Shield broke up in 2014. Wow. Did we have anything brilliant from Roman in those six years? No, we all kind of didn't like him. How could you not like this man? Because he wasn't this man. There's your answer. You said it. He wasn't this man. He was a suffering succotash. Oh, promos, God. Promos with Cena where he's out of his depth, feuding with Sheamus, overpushed. And it was just like they would. And I think it probably took Heyman, to be honest, just to say, just let this guy be this guy. And he is. I mean, it is night and day. And what? We're at 700 days of the title reign. And it still. Give me, doesn't... Give me 700 more. Give yes. me 700 more. Did you see him? His interview this week where they asked him about this will be the last time you wrestle Brock. And he said, I hope so. It really hurts. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> Have you seen that? That made me laugh. I love this. I was like, of course it does. But Brock Lesnar will throw you rather than know you. He'll, he'll toss you around the ring. He doesn't care. I, I, and yeah, we never talk about that. We say, oh, we, do we want to see it again? Well, if we does, don't want to see it again, you probably don't want to be in it again. No, no, I, they're going to they're gonna be pretty brutal with each other this weekend. They're, they're, they're billing this is the last time ever. This is going to be... Oh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a brutal last man standing match, isn't it? 
it's the last time till the next time. Yes, Let's be yes, honest. Yes. Now, look, here's what I thought about theory and this money in the bank, because he did look out of his depth. And do you know the story I wish they would tell with this money in the bank? Have you ever seen a film or a TV show where a guy picks up a loaded gun, aims it at the main protagonist, and doesn't know what to do, or yeah. has a grenade yeah, to yeah, about yeah. to blow? I'd like to see Theory run in when it's an obvious time to cash in and doubt himself too long, and then the Usos arrive or something, or him not take the opportunity and just him his self-doubt with the reason this isn't happening for him. I would like to see Theory be humbled by the the huge enormity of holding that briefcase. Because if you think about it, here is a guy who can have everything he ever wanted in one shot. So when do you take that shot? And don't you think Heyman is the perfect guy to be on the edge going, you don't know what you're doing, Theory. You, you're going to blow it. Not now. You're going to blow it. To yeah. the point where that briefcase, rather than being his golden ticket, is what's driving him to despair. That's the story they should tell. I, I think I think you're spot on. It'd be very rude. And you tell that over eight, nine months, which is what we need in the briefcase. We need long-term storytelling. Um, and then the pop story, when he does cash yes. in. Yeah. Make people feel sorry for him almost. Yeah, and it's all um, there. Do you think... Well, no, I think... How hot do you think backstage is on theory without Vince McMahon there? It's an interesting question because he wasn't really ever Triple H's guy, but he was somebody's guy, Vince's guy. And I think he has stepped up to the mark. Now, would he have been my pick? Probably not. But he's there now and they're invested in him. And so I think they almost need to get behind. I don't think you call an audible. I don't think you swap him out for someone else now. I think you're too far down the track. I think nothing kills someone like losing the money about briefcase. No. Or failing their cash in. It's, it's, a, it's a career killer. I generally think they look at the Corbins, the Sandals of this world. It's a career killer. So I completely agree with that. I still think Sami Zayn was the right call for this. I think that storyline could have been incredible. Um, but we, I don't want, I don't want to see him lose it now because I just think that there, there's a there's a good career in theory. I don't want to see that ruined by this happening. But he's got to be in a bit of turmoil right now. The guy who owned the company who was pushing him to the moon is gone. That's a tough place to be. But what I would say is he wasn't being pushed without warrant. Like no. if you look at if you look at theory, has he got the body? Yes. Can he work? Yep. Can he carry a mic? Yeah, he can do all that. So Vince was pushing him for, for perfectly relevant reasons. But I think you're right. I think you need to tell a story now that elevates him. And I think keeping him with the bloodline and Heyman is the way to do it. Still, I don't see how you have who you have him cash in on in unless no. it's Cody beats Roman. He can't beat Roman. He's not no. there. That would not be credible. What about, though, how many people over the years have you seen laid out by that briefcase? Or buy the money in the bank briefcase. Oh, loads. Jimmy slash Jay, don't know who it was because I can never ever tell them apart, and that's allowed because they're identical twins, is immune to it. <laughs> Got absolutely whacked over the back with it and just wore it. He sold that it brief, like a little love tap. That briefcase has ended people over the years. And <laughs> I don't know if Theory's got one made of like velvet or something. <laughs> But if I was him, I'd be wanting a return and I'd want like Edge's briefcase from back up there because that ended matches all the time. He did sort of look just, and I get it. it was, again, great storytelling. Hold him back, leave him go. He doesn't know what he's doing. But you're right. It didn't occur to me that that brief, because he did leather him with it. It yeah. wasn't a little tap. They just completely no-sold the briefcase. 
So let's carry on talking about WWE. It is SummerSlam weekend this weekend. It's Saturday for the biggest party of the summer. It Which has is got- brilliant. I love Saturday pay-per-views, by the way, because I can watch them either on the Saturday night or the Sunday. So Trips, if you're listening, we know you're a big fan. Happy birthday for yesterday. More Saturday pay-per-views, please. And actually, let's just mention the fact it's great that Triple H is healthy enough and happy mm. enough to be back in the fold. He's too talented not to be. Yeah, huge. Because honestly, if this had happened six months ago, there's no way he could have stepped into this. And then the whole company might have been the lurch. And yeah, we just want him to be well, don't we? He's my second favourite wrestler ever. So I like Triple H. I think that Shawn Michaels would have been getting a call at that point to say... Well, how Sorry, how mad is it that those two are heading up the, the, the TV shows? Shawn heads up NXT... And Hunter heads up Raw and SmackDown. Who would have thought that, that DX 20 years ago would now be running the company? I, I think the truth is probably quite a few people would have thought it or feared it or just been quite concerned about it. But, you know, people grow, people evolve. So it's Triple H's SummerSlam this weekend. We've mentioned that it's Brock Roman main eventing. It looks like we're being swerved a little bit if the rumours and speculation are to be believed that Riddle and Rollins isn't happening. WWE says it's because Riddle suffered a stinger. If that is the case, we wish him well and hope he recovers. The suggestion is that's a little bit of storyline and actually Triple H is pulling his first strings and shunting that to Cardiff. Very interesting this, isn't it? Um, First of all, stingers really hurt. So if he has got a stinger, they're a weird one because they're they're not particularly serious quote-unquote, because they just get better. They're not going to do long damage. What is it for people who don't know? So you get an impact on your shoulder and basically it fries all your nerves in your shoulder and your arm. And you can, if you don't get too minor, um, sorry, if you don't get too major one, you can like shake it off in three or four minutes. I've had stings in games that you know aren't that bad. And you, you have a numb arm for like two minutes and then you're fine. It's a very weird sensation. If you get a bad one though, they are incredibly painful and doing anything with that side of your body is just hideous. So I hope he hasn't got a stinger because they are sore, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because they put that on the bump, didn't they? Which how's the bump still going, (laughs) by the way, who's watching WWE's the bump. And I'm sorry, the bump has always sounded to me like a show about pregnancy. It has never sounded like a wrestling show. Are you just see the wrestlers when they're on it, just so unimpressed about being on. I remember Undertaker was on it and he was just like, what am I doing here? Well, can you imagine? Welcome to The Undertaker. Welcome to The Bump. So, and that's where they decide to announce this, which is incredible, bless Mm. them. Um, And then Fightful Fightful very, very quickly were reporting this is a kayfabe injury and they're pushing it to clash. So... That's really interesting because are we going to get a surprise opponent for Seth this weekend? Like, why would you take... That's a great match. I think Riddle-Rollins is going to be brilliant. So what are you going to do instead? Because this is your second biggest show of the year. That's a big match for it. What are you pulling that for, Hunter? It's interesting. Maybe he's not pulling it for anything. Maybe Triple H is of... And this is the fascinating part of all of this. Maybe Triple H, the master of the two-hour 45 takeover pay-per-views, is actually looking and saying... Do shorter shows. Maybe Triple H has been itching to do shorter shows and it's going, ah, do you know what? Now is the time to to make that happen. Because well, I, saw, I saw a quote from an interview he did. I think it was in 2016, 17, that sort of time. Yeah. Where someone said to him, what's the one thing you changed about Raw? And he said, it goes two hours. Yeah. Now, it'd, be, and- it'd be interesting if he still thinks that and what the sponsors think of that because the sponsors like three hours because they get more airtime. Well, and the thing is as well, Triple H knows what it's like to be on a card that is too long because him and Roman at WrestleMania 32 had one of the most forgettable WrestleMania main events ever. Not through a lack of effort. Everyone was just knackered. Yeah. 
That was a bad WrestleMania, though. It, it was not great. Um, this card, I mean, it, it feels odd that we're talking about SummerSlam in such a throwaway way, but such is the news. It's going to deliver. You can't have Bianca Belair, Becky on that card. You can't have the Street Profits uh, going up against the Usos with Jeff Jarrett as the referee without it delivering. It's going to. Yeah, I would start with Becky and Bianca. I'd start hot with that. or with the, I'd start with that or the Usos. I'd then have the, uh, if I start with Becky, Becky Bianca, I'd have the Usos, the Street Profits, bang in the middle, keep them hot. I'd finish with Roman and uh, Brock. And I'm actually really excited for, I can't believe I'm about to say this, Pat versus Baron Corbin. Mm. I think they've built this excellently. I think they've built it brilliantly. And I th- I'm a massive Pat McAfee fan in anything he does. I think he's going to be great. I think that's going to be good. What, what I think they're struggling with, and they saw the Ronda Rousey template where they bought in a celeb as a baby face and it didn't work. And they thought, let's give this another crack with Logan Paul. It's not working. He ain't a baby face. Don't push no. it. Especially when you see the sort of promo that Tommaso Ciampa cuts for the Miz. Have you seen it? No, I've, I've missed that one. I've read about it. Oh, again, why do they not put this on Raw? Why are they making this? A, I think it was a website exclusive. Stop putting your best things just online. Put them on telly. Um, I'll find it. I'll send it to you. If you haven't seen it, anyone, it's only a minute and 20 seconds. And you can just see the Miz standing there going, oh, this guy's excellent. He just bigs the Miz up in a way that doesn't sound fanboyish or anything. It's, it's, it's exceptional. So go and watch it if you haven't. I'll send you after this, Jack. It's just outstanding. And it just makes them, you want the Miz to win. You want the Miz to win. And the Miz isn't a face, but I do want him to win. Don't make, Logan Paul has everything anyone would ever want in the world. All the money. He's good looking. It seems like he lives the life. That's not a baby face. That's someone I want to boo. Yeah. And impulsive TV in a long list of badly named wrestling TV chat show segments may be the worst. It's one that, and I do it a lot in my day job in radio. Sometimes you'll think of the name of the feature before you actually say it out loud. Written down, that looks cracking. You're not going to say, oh, I'm staying in. Logan Paul's doing impulsive TV. You think, oh, for God's sake, really? I'll tell you the biggest um, example of that is the Bailey to Belly Suplex. Great name, rubbish finisher. Oh, terrible. We, we need to do a show at some point about rubbish finishers. Yeah. So this is SummerSlam this weekend. Do we see a greater change in creative direction off the back of SummerSlam? Yes, and, I think and, and so. And just as a second thought, well, while you ponder that, do you want to see a, a, a 180 significant changes or are you happy with an evolution where you notice things every week? So as the first half, I do think we start to see more changes after SummerSlam. It's too close to SummerSlam to start changing things. You're building to SummerSlam. It's like your mid-season break almost, isn't it, in a WWE season. If you work mania to mania, this yeah. is almost, it's not middle, it's not your middle um, chronologically in time because it's only three months after. This is your next big kind of stop and then you build to the rumble. So this is your like middle section of the season. So yeah, I think now is the time to change. I want to see it drip fed because I think too drastic a change all at once. Like if we came out on Monday and it was Raw was in black and gold. Do you know what I mean? Like if the Raw logo was in black and gold and Mario Ronaldo was on commentary and Regal was in the middle as GM, it'd all be a bit much, wouldn't it? No, it wouldn't. You I would mean, be- I'd love it, but <laughs> I, I think I think for the good of the company, I think it needs to be drip fed. I think each week we'd see little things. Like we saw blood this week, didn't we? Mm. When was the last time we saw blood on WWE? Also, just because, quick before we stop, he's going to get completely forgotten about in this show. But well done, Rey Mysterio, for 20 years, by the way. 
One yeah. of the greatest ever. I just remember I was on a run down. I was like, remember to mention Ray because that's huge, but there's bigger things going on. But the greatest luchador ever for me. Yeah, 100%. And 20 years, 20 years, and the evolution he's been on. Because let's be honest, luchadors, cruiserweights, WWE, they didn't go to... He anchored the cruiserweight diversion of SmackDown. After Eddie's unfortunate passing, he became a heavyweight champion. He became WWE champion. He has answered every challenge in an industry where someone like him... Swim with the Sharks in WWE, very unlikely to have succeeded. I can't imagine it was easy. So, yeah, good for Ray. And at five foot six, might have a giant son, um, which is amazing. But no, so I want to see it drip fed change. I think, I think all at once would be a bit much. I might not scare people away, but people might be like, this isn't what I like watching and not come back. So, from a business point of view, I'd do it quite slowly as well. Uh, AEW may as well have put on a bit of a bottle show this week for all everyone's going to talk about them. Actually, they didn't. Go out of your way to watch Dynamite this week because it was, I think, possibly one of their strongest Dynamites in a long, long, long time, possibly in a couple of months, to, to be honest with you. I thought pretty much every part of it is worth going out of your way to see. Let's do the back first. Brian Danielson returns and loses to Daniel Garcia, partly due to shenanigans. It wasn't completely clean, but that's a huge win for Garcia. Massive for Daniel Garcia. And when I read the result, I didn't like it. Then I watched it and I did because, yeah, it's a little bit of shenanigans, but I'm a, I'm a sucker for the, I'm in a, I'm in a submission move, but I won't tap, but I pass out. I'm a sucker for that because everyone wins in that. As long as you use it in the right time, this was a good time to use it. Everyone wins in that. Um, huge for Garcia. Great to have Danielson back. God, he looked good. They both did. They both looked great. And yeah, a massive win for Daniel Garcia. And at some point, you have to use these veterans, these older guys, to make the newer guys. And now, I suddenly take Daniel Garcia a lot more seriously because he beat Brian Danielson. And, and what's Brian Danielson lost? Nothing. Zero. Nada. But what's Brian Danielson got? Suddenly, a little bit of motivation. A new story. Everyone comes out of that winning and fair play to Garcia, who's doing it on the back of a pure match with Wheeler Utah at Death Before Dishonor, which we'll touch on just a little bit before we oh, wrap this poor up. Poor Death Before Dishonor. They had a great show and then Vince went, I'm retiring. <laughs> and then everyone went, we don't care, ROH, we're sorry. So that was great. The show was bookended by John Moxley against Roosh. Still don't understand why we're saying Roosh. There might be a backstory to it. I'm not really sure. And then after a great match, which again was fantastic, who saw Chris Jericho coming out to challenge for another shot of the world title? So I was watching um, Mooksley versus Roosh. And because that's how we have to say things now. It's like hello, hello for the interim world title. I'm so confused. His name is Rush, surely. Um, now, is the Liverpool legend striker Ian Roosh? Is he Liverpool's <laughs> legend? I don't know what to say now. Um, and it was Crusholly and hardcore. Yeah, oh, there's so much. I'm going to ambush you. Sorry, <laughs> this has to stop. Um, <laughs> give me a second. Idiots, we're idiots. Um, so when they, when I saw him wrestling Rush, Rush, I thought, ah, oh, I know where this is going. Andrade Lidler. That's yes. where we're going here. And I was like, yes. brilliant, brilliant. Yes. And then when he got involved, I was like, we're definitely going to Andrade Lidler. And then Jericho came out. And if you'd said to me before, do you want to see Jericho versus Mox? They would have gone, God, no, that's so far down my list. And then they cut their promos. And now I want to see it. And that was just two masters of their craft getting me interested in four minutes. They were brilliant. We, we had Shark Week last week, didn't we? 
And they were like two big sharks swimming in different parts of the ocean. And suddenly they come and they meet in the middle. And they're two worlds. Yeah, sure, we had anarchy at the arena. But by and large, since Mox has become champ, they've existed very separately. And and you know what feels strange is, yeah, we have blood and guts. It, this still feels fresh. This yeah. feels completely different. And it was completely unexpected. My my one thing that I really liked is when Jericho said, I'm going to become the first two-time AEW world champion. And Mox basically said, I'm already it. This ain't interim. This is the belt. I, I am your guy. Yeah, he was like, I'm going to be the first two-time Le Champion. So I really enjoyed really enjoy Mox just being like, get rid of all your gimmicks. I realized he was like, I don't want Jericho appreciation side. I don't want to give me the lion tamer. And you could see Jericho liked him. He said, the last survivor of the heart dungeon. You could see that hit Jericho. And I... I yeah, I hope he does come out without any face paint on. I'd like to see him just come out in just wrestling gear by himself and have a match with Mox. So here's a question that Tony Khan must be pondering. CM Punk's out there in the ether. Is it the right time to have Punk beat Moxley? Because we're all assuming Mox holds a belt, back comes Punk, Punk takes a belt off Moxley, we go where we were going to. I wonder if there's a more intriguing story of Punk comes back, he's been out of action for a while, Moxley's been testing himself against the best, Mox beats Punk, and then Mox has to face a heel CM Punk. Is that where we go with it? I think there's... I, I just don't know how you take it off Moxley. Mox is hot right now, so I know yeah. what you mean. It's it's brutal for Punk, but yeah. It's CM Punk, though. As a world champ... Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know, and I don't know the answer. Here's a story you can tell. Punk goes heel, and Punk says, Mox, when I stepped away... It was because I was injured. When you stepped oh, away... Oh, I know what you're going to say. You did it to yourself. Now, clearly, that is not the way addiction works, but you have a ready-made story there. If you want to inject some heat into it straight away... Yeah, no, you're very right. Yeah, you're very right. I could see that. Yeah. Speaking, speaking let's of be heat, honest, by the way, heel, oh, heel, heel Punk's the best. Heel CM Punk is the best CM Punk. It's been a year. We, we can get a heel CM Punk. Um, Jungle Boy, I thought, cut a promo I wasn't expecting boy oh boy was that was that raw it needed to be but it worked yeah I didn't think Jungle Boy Christian would be the feud that I'm tuning into AEW for but it's brilliant I just my one gripe I didn't bring this up last week because I forgot to I don't like the Luchasaurus went straight back to him no, and I didn't think they sold that particularly no, well. No, that's been my what. This whole thing has been brilliant and I, unexpectedly brilliant. But I still have Luchasaurus standing next to Christian. And if you're going to send him back to Jungle Boy, do it at the match. Do it at the pay-per-view. Do it at the blow-off. Don't do it the first time Jungle Boy comes back. I, that's my one issue with it. Everything else has been outstanding. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know what, wrestling? I'm sort of over penis crotch testicles jokes for for a little while we saw quite a few of those in jungle boys promo against christian and they sort of popped me a little bit they were quite funny but maybe just a moratorium for a few weeks about working those into your promos there's a lot of that going on at the moment isn't there it's just a bit much far be it from us to be the decency police but i just think it needed saying hey you were right you were right i was right ish i was right ish you didn't go quite the way i called it 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 ended up in the right place I think if it had gone the way I called it, I think Dan Hauser would have come out of it looking better. Mm. I think he's been done dirty in all this. He's he's a big... I mean, that pop he got, I think he even surprised JR. I think you could hear... And, and I think 
Danhausen isn't JR's type of wrestling, but I think in the same way that surprises me. (laughs) In the same way that JR appreciates Orange Cassidy, I think he appreciates Danhausen. And and you're right. Yeah, but I think we ended up in the right place. I also thought Ricky Starks looked like a million bucks. Mm. Well, Ricky Starks promo after, and then the 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 turn from Hobbs makes Ricky Stark a hot babyface straight away now, which is what a ridiculous sentence. Ricky Starks is a babyface, but he absolutely is. Hobbs is a heel. I like. He's gonna just be a monster heel, which I'm all for. But Hook's got a belt, Jack. I'm so happy. It's a champion. Genuinely, how must that feel for Taz to be to see your boy holding your belt on a TV show? And he earned it himself. I don't he will clearly have got the opportunity through Taz to be there. Let's let's be honest. But he's had to earn it and get over. And I think it's great. And I think I like that he sold. I like that he took the backdrop. I like that he took the spear. I like that we saw a vulnerable hook. And it's the perfect belt to put on him because there's really very little in the way of stakes. Yeah. The one thing I would like is a promo from Hook or from someone just explain to the wider world what the belt is. Mm. Because if you haven't gone and Googled it, you might not know the backstory, might not know it's Taz's, might not know he made his own world title because he couldn't challenge for it because of injury in ECW. So I do think it, it's one of those, again, it's the assumed knowledge of AEW. Yeah. Tell us why this is important, Hook. Uh, we'll do uh, just a little bit more about AEW in a tick, but we usually talk about MJF at this point of the show. And Andrew has said, I can't take it anymore. So Andrew writes to say this. First things first, MJF talk time. You cannot say he's out of the consciousness when you've talked about him every week. That is a fair point. Uh, that's the, No, no, I, I, you've got us there, Andrew. No fair. No fair. Yeah, people there are asking questions like you are. Is it real? What's going on? Where is he? When is he coming back? I totally disagree that AEW have messed this up. I think back to when Punk walked out after Money in the Bank. He was back eight days later, which killed some of the momentum. For me, the worst thing they could have done was talk about him every week or bringing back too soon because it would have just undermined the pipe bomb. And for me, says Andrew, the longer he's away, the bigger the pop will be when he returns because there's no way AEW fans fans will forget if he's really gone then more of it was real than we thought and there's no point having him in the dressing room when the roster is stacked as it is if he doesn't want to be there very fair points Andrew makes a lot of good points and that, and you know what a brilliant thing about it is whatever is happening we can have opinion we can have conversation about it one more thing on AEW they went a couple of weeks and thought Let's bring in some more belts. We've got trios tag team titles coming. Good. We, knew, we knew we would at some point, but okay. More belts. I don't love more belts. It will see us get the undisputed elite versus uh, the young bucks and Kenny Omega versus house of black versus BCC versus best friends. If that's what those belts get us. Okay. I'll take it. This trios tag tournament is going to be brilliant. It's going to be brilliant, but I just, they already seem to overbook their shows and not have time for everything. We haven't seen the All-Atlantic Championship ever. I just worry for that. But yeah, I'm all for the trio titles. I think it'd be great. And with the roster they've got, it makes sense. The Briscoes and FDR put on a classic at Death Before Dishonor. You need to see that. Claudio Castagnoli is the Ring of Honor World Champion. Uh, He beat Jonathan Gresham to open the show. We're sorry, gents. We just don't really have a huge amount of time to spend on it this week. No, well done, everyone, and go and watch it. It's a brilliant show. The wrestling's great, but Vince McMahon retired, so yeah, you're Vin- kind of you're down the down the order now. Vin- Vince quit. Vince quit. So, uh, look, Charlie, earning the push back to developmental. What are you going to go with this week? Earning the push for me. I know you'll get on board with this. It's just a good read. Yes, 
I, I have been busy recently and I've had a book I've been meaning to start. And yesterday I just took half an hour out of my day to start it. And it was just blissful. So I was sat, we got a new bench in the garden. It was sunny. I sat with the coffee and I read for half an hour and it was just the loveliest half hour. So what is it? Love, What's the book? It's called Real Tigers. It's the third in a series I'm reading by Mick Heron about spies. It's a, it's spy thrillers. I like spy thriller books. No one likes a spy thriller like you do. Jack I Ryan, love anything like I that. I love spy thriller action. They're, they're my type of book. You could pick my type of book out of a bookshop by what the cover looks like. They all look very similar. They've yep. got like a, a silhouette of the hero on it. Uh, this one has a silhouette of London on it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's very that's, good. That's earning the push. Good. What's back to developmental? The fact I can't come to Cardiff. Yeah, go on. I can't go to Clash of the Castle now. I'm honestly so sad about it. So we're playing Saracens in pre-season on the 3rd of September. And that was originally slated for the 2nd of September on a Friday night. And the date got changed. It'd be great playing Saracens. I can't wait. You always want to play against the best. We're playing against the second best team in England. Won the powerhouse of Europe. Really important for us in our pre-season. Everything's brilliant for it. But I can't go to Clash at the Castle now. And mm. honestly, it, it honestly, I'll be sat there doing nothing. And then it pops in my head and I just get sad. And it's going to be really hard doing this show in the build-up to Clash at the Castle, where I'm going, Charlie, can you believe The Undertaker's having his first match Don't. back? <laughs> I said that to your text. I was like, Undertaker's going to be there now. I promise you he'll be there now. The other you know, one's going to be really hard. The one after it, where you've been <laughs> and I haven't. Mate. But I'm just going to have to go to you. What was it like, Jack? You know, Jack it's going to be like a Jack, walkout. Jack, tell us what that was like in person. Can you believe that Pete Dunne shed the butch gimmick and... <laughs> oh, mate, um, look, we feel for you. We've all been there with work stuff, so... I... Uh, it is what it is, isn't it? You can't complain too much. I live I, I live my dream of having the best job in the world. It's just a shame. And yeah. you know what? It's a Saturday in September. I have no right to be able to be there because that is rugby season. I just thought the stars had aligned. Well, they had. They had briefly yes. aligned and then your dream was grabbed away from you. But this will be the character building part of your autobiography. <laughs> uh, I am going to send back to developmental. You will empathize with this. The smell of shin pads. Oh, they're awful. Now, I'm not wearing shin pads, but I have for five aside have to wear my splint just for, for a little bit to reinforce it. And it's the same stink. And there is no smell on God's green earth like the smell of a shin pad. Also, some footballers are, I'm, I swear, are trying to break the record for having the smallest shin pads ever nowadays. I'm just like, lads, that's going to really hurt if you get tackled on your shins. Yeah, they're ankle plates. They're not yeah. shin pads. They're like anklets. Uh, so that's going back to developmental for me. Earning the push. This is very exciting. Uh, I am going to send uh, earning the push. It's technically wrestling, but I'm going to do it anyway. WAW's pre-Pride show that I'm going to in Norwich to make my professional wrestling debut uh, as a commentator. Right. For a second, then, all our listeners are going to think you're in the ring because you left, as a commentator, a little bit too long. There is a gauntlet, Charlie. I'm just going to leave it there. You're going to jump is, in? There Jack, is a gauntlet I, match. If I... What, what date What date's the show? Literally, we record this on Thursday mornings. As soon as we're done, I'm editing the show. I'm jumping in the car. It's Friday night. If I wake up on Saturday morning... <laughs> And go on their social media and see that you have joined the gauntlet match and haven't told me, I will lose my mind. I will tell you there is no chance in hell that I will be joining the gauntlet match. But I'm very excited to be making my commentary it, debut. I'm very excited. There's a pride show going on and it's a great thing to be part of. So I it, know it's bending the rules. But... No, no, it's brilliant. I was about to ask how excited you are, but I'm going to ask, 
on your bucket list of things to do in your professional career, how high is wrestle, wrestling commentary? This, this is huge. I've been lucky to commentate at Twickenham, FA Cup Games, international cricket. I have been sitting this week in my time downtime making my notes and just doing it all. I'm so thrilled. What, um, what match are you most excited to call? Uh, I'm most excited for Brad Slayer against Zach Zodiac in the main event, but there's also a four-way tag team match that's going to be quite good. Uh, and there's also a triple threat between Adam Bolt, Max Peach, and uh, PJ Knight to kick it off that is going to be fantastic. And are you one, two, or three-man boothing it? Two-man booth. I am nice. colour. I'm a gay Jerry Lawler, basically. Right. That, there's, a, there's a gimmick for you. A gay Jerry Lawler. So that's going to be me. Um, and also, look, I think we have to do this. I think earning the push this week is everything Vince McMahon accomplished as a promoter. Back to developmental is everything that has led to his downfall from WWE. How can we not end on that? Earning the push is Vince McMahon the professional. Back to developmental is Vince McMahon the person. <laughs> And that seems just about the right thing to wrap it up on. This has been a monumental show. I suspect the ripples from this will continue uh, to go and go. Charlie, one final question. Is there any way that we don't see Roman Reigns walk out of SummerSlam this weekend as the undisputed WWE Universal Champion? I was about to say no, but the only way we don't is if Theory crashes in. We don't see Lesnar walk out as champ. Okay. And is Theory going to cash in? No. All right. Well, we shall see. Look, next week, we'll, we're will we not going to make the mistake of saying it's been a quiet week in wrestling because every time we do that, the impossible happens. But if you like what we do here, if you like wrestling, tell other folks about it. Word of mouth helps us grow. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Murley. And we are out of time. Thank you for listening and bye-bye. <laughs>